Appreciate the, the Lord. Thank you. Pastor Carr praying for the for the house and I have I have several things to be thankful for for this last year. I'm well sure so all of you. I had um, we had two grandsons added to our family. I had a a minor procedure done that turned into a major problem. Thank the Lord for his faithfulness. Didn't learn until after that I had gotten sepsis that the mortality rate was someplace between 40 and 60 percent a higher percentage because of my age but the Lord preserved he's a faithful God and he hasn't stopped being faithful Same God that takes care of Glidell and I, it's the same one that takes care of you. I don't know how to express all the faithfulness that he has exhibited in our lives. And please hear how I'm saying this. I'm not bragging about us, I'm bragging about him. Because we are his son and daughter, he takes care of us. Because he's our heavenly father. Blessed be his name. If you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. I just want to look at this a little bit this morning. Matthew 18, starting at, at verse 1. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest or the greater in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto thee, except you be converted and become as, a little, uh, as little children, you shall not have or not in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore is, shall humble himself as a little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The Amplified says it this way. Um, starting at three and four. And they said, And truly, I say, and unless you repent, change and turn about and become a little child, trusting, lowly, loving, and forgiving, you can never enter into the kingdom of heaven at all. That's a pretty tough statement. 
never enter into the kingdom of God at all. And, he, and said, truly I say unto you, unless you repent, change and turn about, and become as a little children, trusting, lowly, loving, and forgiving, you can never enter the kingdom at heaven at all. Um, I, well, I was thinking about that. Well, let me back up and just, just keep your finger here and uh, let's go to John chapter 3. Because the Lord himself makes a distinction. It's a story about Nicodemus coming to him. And Nicodemus was one of the, uh, was a leader in the church. He knew the law. He knew all that pertaineth to that and all that pertaineth to the Messiah. He, he knew all these things. And he comes and says at night, he says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the things, these miracles uh, that thou dost, except he be, God be with him. <clears throat> and Jesus answered and said, And in very, very I say unto you, except a man be born again or born from above, he cannot see, cannot perceive, cannot uh, discern or discover the kingdom of God. And then it goes on and says, and Nicodemus says, Well, how can I be born entering into my mother's womb and so forth, and picking up verse 5. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Blessed be his name. So the Lord Jesus himself, this, this is stuff written in red. You know what I'm talking about? This is what he said. He says you can't, you have to be born from above in order to see or know there, that there is a kingdom of God. They have to enter into salvation, a salvation relationship, to even know that there is a kingdom. But then he goes on to say, unless you're born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter. So here's what we're talking about. You can see, you can know that there is a kingdom, but unless you allow the kingdom to work in you, unless you follow him in uh, water baptism and in being spirit-filled, you cannot enter. doesn't mean that you're not saved, but you can't enter a kingdom relationship. That's pretty sobering. Because we have millions of Christians throughout the world that love him and know him as their savior, but have not entered in a king, into a kingdom relationship. My God. Well, going back to this, unless we be as a child... Loving and trusting, lowly, we can't enter. 
when I was thinking about trusting and a child trusting, I thought of a, I believe about a seven or eight year old, just about eight year old boy. We were on vacation and we were at this pool and the pool had, came to a corner and had a semicircular stairways there with three steps on it. Not, you know, four steps would be called the top of the pool. And it got into his mind that he would run to one side and jump into the water. Or was it just, I thought he was, okay. Well, all right, two years. I, I was debating what was the time frame. Two-year-old. Well, that makes more sense. And so he jumped, and I had to catch him. So I put him back up in there, and he'd run to the other side, which was not a problem for him, which is about six feet for him. Going around the steps in the water was eight feet. So I had to get to the other side because he was jumping, and I had to catch him. I beat my shins to death because I'd pick him up and and then he'd go the other side. We did that forever. But why? He trusted that I would be there. Do we trust our Lord, our Father, to be there when we jump? Even put ourselves in danger. Do we realize and trust him to be there. Have faith as a little child. Trust as a little child. Isaiah 57, 15 says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and re revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. He knows our hearts, whether it's about us or about, our worship is about us or about him. Too often, There are times when our worship is about feeling the tingle of the Holy Spirit as opposed to worshiping Him. What we can get out of it as opposed to falling down before Him. Let us be careful that we don't serve Him for what we can get out of Him. Because He's a loving God. And He will bless us even if we're half-hearted, thankfully. Let's continue. Verse 6. But if uh, you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better if you have a large millstone tied around your neck and drowned in the depth of the sea. Little ones don't always 
aren't necessarily just the children. It's very obvious it is the children. But there are little ones in the stature of the Lord, new Christians, new, that are looking to us as examples of what God does and, and moves and the righteousness that God wants to have within our lives. Are we living a, lie, a life so we're not causing not only the children but the little ones in Christ to stumble? I know this isn't a jump and shout thing, but the Lord has really just been pressing me and saying, we need to live the word, not just read the word. We need to allow him to come in and change our hearts. Not just read our three or four chapters and say, well, I've done my religious duty for the day. Pray 10 minutes and say, okay, check that off my list. Help us, Holy One. And so I think, see, the disciples who had been walking with the Lord Jesus for three years, two to three years by now, and they asked him, toward the end of their walk with him, in Matthew 20, starting at verse 20, he says, then the mother of Zebedee's, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, James and John, came and asked, and said, I have a favor to ask of you. Can you let my son, my sons sit at the left hand and the right hand of you when you're in glory? And she said, he said, do you really know what you're asking? Because she didn't have a clue. And the boys were there. The Jewish mama was pushing, but the boys were there and just, yeah, mom, you do it. Well, somebody fall off a chair? <laughs> I'm just glad you're okay. Anyway, so she was pushing. The boys were saying, yeah, yeah, that's what we want. And he said, took a child again. Or, excuse me, he said, if, are you willing to go be baptized in the things I'm going to be baptized in? Not just in water. He's talking about all the afflictions and all the things that he was going to go through. And he said, yeah, we are. And then, I don't know if they were expecting him to say, well, you're not going to have to do that. But the Lord turns around and says, yeah, you will. Everything I go through, you'll go through. But to sit on my left hand or my right hand is not mine to give. What were they wanting? They were promoting themselves. They were, he said, that's what my father will decide. It's not mine to give. So here, this goes along with what he's saying here about the little children. That's how you enter the kingdom of God. Is not from a promotion of yourself, but knowing the Lord God Almighty. That's his purpose. 
Now, if you would, let's drop down to um, back in chapter 18, down to verse 18. Matthew 18, verse 18. Or excuse me, verse 21, I'm sorry. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, Lord, uh, how often should a brother uh, sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? And the Lord Jesus said unto him, Seventy times seven. So in other words, that's 70 times 7 is 490 times. For all those that like to keep track of your people have, have offended you, Lord Jesus said, you have to keep continuing to forgive them 490 times, which basically says you can't even keep track of the time, how long you have to forgive him. And that forgiveness is very essential and very important because this, in fact, this parable is the kingdom of God, heaven is like unto a human king who wishes, I'm in verse 23, I'll be amplified, as a settle account with his attendant. And when he, uh, he began accounting, uh, one that was brought to him who ordered uh, owed him 10,000 talents. Now, Amplify says it's probably $10 million. I've seen up to, in other things, say $18 million. But when it gets that high, it doesn't matter. You're not going to ever be able to pay it off. Get the idea? He owed him, and some said that this king, he, uh, this man came, might have been a a governor or something of some providence that he was supposed to be paying taxes and whatever to, and he hadn't been doing that. And it says that the man besought him. Well, let's just, let's just continue to read here. And ten, uh, $10 million. Uh, Psalm 130, verse 3 says, Lord, if... If you kept records of our sins, who, O oh, oh Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that you might we might learn to fear thee or to hold you in awe. I'm glad. On one respect, the Lord keeps very good books. On the other respect, he doesn't. Once our, we ask for forgiveness, that record is wiped clean. There is no record. There's no record at all. That's what Colossians uh, 3 tells us. That all the account that was held against us was wiped away. No record of it. Can somebody say amen? No matter how egregious it was, once it's, we truly repent and turn from that way, God wipes it clean, and he doesn't remember anymore, which I find amazing. I've said this so many times. 
The Lord who is omniscient and doesn't forget anything chooses to forget, forget and forgive our sin. Blessed be his name. Let's continue. Um, verse 25. For, uh, for as much as he had not to pay the Lord, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children that all, uh, that all he had might pay, a payment be made back. That was part of the Jewish law, that you could be sold into slavery and your family to pay a debt. Now, I'm glad that's not the case now, but the reality is this. Our families, I'm speaking to the mothers and dads here, our families suffer because of what we do or are blessed by what we do. There are ramifications for the things that we do. I know you're all loving this, but that's the, the reality is, that is, is in fact that his whole family was going to be sold to pay 10, at least 10 million dollars of debt. That's several lifetimes, even for the children. Lord, help us to live a life that won't bring repercussions upon our next generation. Help us, Lord. Verse 26. The servant therefore fell down before him and kissed his hand in a token of reverence, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And the master said unto the servant that he was moved with compassion and released him, let him go free, and forgave him, sent him away without a debt, remitted, forgave him the debt. Psalm 86, 5 says, For, Lord, uh, for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all of them that call upon you. I'm glad he's ready to forgive. Ready to forgive. Verse 28. But the same attendant went out and found his fellow attendants who owed him a hundred denaria. And our money is about $20, but at that time, denaria was a day's wage. So at the most, it was 20 days wages. Uh, excuse me, a hundred days wages. And he took him by the throat and said, pay me all that you owe me. Pay me the 20 bucks, or pay me the, the 100 days wages. And he says, please be patient with me. I'll, I'll work it out, and, and I'll repay you. And said, no. He took him and threw him into prison to be tormented 
to pay the debt. Now, I'm not sure how his torment would pay off the debt. I don't know how that works. But he said that he torment to be tormented. And his fellow servants were horrified by this and went and told the king. And the king came and said, I forgave you all this. And you said that when he went there, he took the, that man by the throat and said, pay me. He had been forgiven a great debt, but he was not grateful for the forgiveness. Because if, if he was, he would have said, well, I've been forgiven $10 million. I can forgive you 20. But no. He was more important, and what was owed to him was more important than the forgiveness that he had received. Because it was about him. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. To be patient with me, and I'll pay it all. Verse 3 says, but his creditor wouldn't wait. And he was arrested and put him in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Matthew 6, 12 says, Forgive us our debts, our offenses, as we have also forgive, have forgiven the debts, uh, excuse me, uh, also have forgiven, left it, uh, remitted it, let it go. Forgive our debtors. Forgive me as I forgive my debtors. Verse 14, it says, if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, I love the description here, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment. That's what forgiveness is supposed to be. That's quite a definition. Let me do it again. their trespasses, their recklessness, their willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving them up, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Amen. But if you don't forgive the others their trespasses, same definition, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. I've, when I've, I've looked at that several times in the King James, I'll forgive you as you forgive others, what it boils down to. And I'll have to admit, there have been times when I wasn't happy with that. Because I had some things people had I, uh, that were indebted to me because of with this definition. And I wasn't really willing to let them go because of the hurt and the, uh, 
sometimes even the torture it put me through, my family through. But the Lord kept taking me back there. He wouldn't let me rest. He wouldn't let me rest in my unforgiveness. Thank you, Lord. He wouldn't let me rest in my resentment. Wouldn't let me rest in my wanting revenge. But the Lord also says that he will repay. He will repay. But when I finally came to the revelation that as long as I was holding resentment and unforgiveness toward these people, God wasn't forgiving me. That changed my tune in a hurry. I don't know about you, but I don't want a list of unforgiven things. Because all this resentment and all these things doesn't do anything. It, in fact, it stops your spiritual growth right there. And I don't want anything because it, what it does is it comes between you and your Savior. I don't want anything to come between me and my Lord. So you have to make a decision. You want to keep holding on to your unforgiveness and resentment and so forth? You have that privilege. Or that's your decision. But just be totally aware that the Word of God says that Jesus said in the Beatitudes, which is the, the uh, outline, and Brother Joe Nieves called it, that's Kingdom 101. These are the basic principles. I'll forgive you as you forgive others. Oh, God. The thing was that once I released them, I got released. I was no longer under that burden of resentment and unforgiveness. Blessed be his name. Verse 32. Well, 31, the fellow servants saw that what he had done, and they were grieved and came and told the master what he had done. 32, and the master called him to him and said, you contemptible, wicked, full of labors, annoyances, and hardship, attendant or servant. I forgave and canceled you all great debt in your, of you because you begged me to. And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? Matthew 5 says, Blessed are those who show mercy, for they will have mercy shown to them. I want to have mercy shown to me. 
So therefore, I need to be what? Merciful. I know this is very, this is very simplistic, but it's absolutely essential. When we come to the realization that we that our forgiveness is proportional and directly proportional to our forgiveness from letting somebody else go. Our forgiveness from the Lord is proportional and directly proportional to how we forgive others. That's sobering. Very sobering. But guess what? It is written. And we can try to theorize and smooth it over and try to bring it up to date and so forth, it doesn't change. We can say, uh, talk about God, how, how gracious and so forth he is, and he is. But this is what he said. You know, it's not Paul's interpretation or somebody else's interpretation. Like I, like I said, this is written in red. This is his word. This is his principle. All the word is, word of the Lord is God breathed. But there's no excuse. There's no getting out of this one. This is what he said. Verse 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers. One who elicits the truth by the use of a rack. The reality is that as long as we're walking in unforgiveness, we're going to be tormented by it. See, what I found out, that after I released them, I was released. So maybe it sounds selfish, but I, love, I want to forgive people because I don't want to have to go through stuff. I know that seems self-centered, but that's a principle of God. I'll forgive you as you forgive others. And it doesn't diminish what was done, but the fact is the Lord didn't, doesn't gradate the great amount of what was done to you. He just says, forgive. There's not a list of things, well, this was so horrific, you don't have to forgive. He just says, forgive. For I've forgiven you. And forgive so I can forgive you. Turn him over to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. We're not getting out of here without paying what is due. Well, verse 35 out of the Amplified. So also my heavenly Father will deal with every one of you if you don't... Uh, if you do not uh, freely forgive your brother for, uh, uh, from your heart his offenses. 
his lack of uprightness and righteousness and truth. He said, I won't forgive you if you don't forgive them. That kind of goes and flies in the face of the greasy grace message. God is gracious. He does forgive, but he has standards. I'll forgive you as you forgive others. That's his principle. And we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. Do we want to walk in the, in the goodness and the greatness of God? Or do we want to walk at arm's length from him? Because he won't draw iniquity to his bosom. Unforgiveness is iniquity. Your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is measured by your obedience to the word and his willingness to draw you to himself. Let's stand, please. Lord, help them wherever they're going. Protect those people, my God. Be merciful to them. Father, we just ask truly you come and speak to our hearts, my God. Come, O Holy One. Search our hearts. See if there be, my God, any wicked, lawless ways, unforgiven ways within us, my God. Come, O Holy Spirit, convict and draw us to yourself. Let our hearts, my God, be freer and clean before you as we walk in unforgiveness and release, my God, those that are our debtors. Come, my God, be glorified, be exalted in our lives, my God. And Lord, we look to you for this year, this coming year, that you will move mightily in and through this house and through the members of this house. Come, O oh God, lead, guide, and direct us. Draw us to yourself. And let your name be glorified in and through us. Lord, let us not serve you for, for gain for ourselves, but let us serve you, my God, because you deserve to be served. You are our King and gracious Heavenly Father. Truly, Holy One, come. Move in each heart and life. Convict us, my Lord, of things where we're falling short of your glory because of our willful ways. Come, O Holy One, bless this people. Be glorified in and through us. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And you say amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a Christ-filled new year.